uh, man, what are we doing, huh? What are we going to do? Why do, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why do we get together and hang out? Because it's fun. It's fun, right? It is fun. And it's, it's stress relieving. relieving. It relieves the stress. It does. You know? I don't know about you, but I mean, I've had a little bit of a busy week. You know, a lot of things have been happening. Yeah. In my life. Nothing bad. All good. But even good can sometimes, well, I should say changes, you know? And sometimes change can bring about stress. We're pre-Thanksgiving, you know? Yeah. We got to give thanks for everything that we got. But then the meetup and the meshing of the minds and the people and the hanging out, sometimes that can get a little stressing with, with hmm? get a little stressful with the driving and it, the getting together, you know? It can be because there's so much, like, especially the holiday season. Everybody's yeah. Like, everybody's out. Go. I went out Saturday in our little town here and traffic is our already. Little, our little town. Yeah. And traffic is already like starting to be right. holiday traffic. Right. Stressful. People getting off again, on again. It's going to be beautiful. That's all I really had. I don't right. really have anything no. else. I mean, there wasn't any big intro. It was just going to be me kind of talking about that. And then I was kind of hoping we could do like a lead in that way. You know what I mean? Like sometimes getting I want... playing and what? going to see somebody. Well, yeah. Maybe they're across state. Maybe you live in New York and you... Maybe you stay in New York and your wife gets a job in LA. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she pursues a career and you want to follow her. You want to be supportive. But you're like, no... And, but you're a little bit chauvinist because you feel like she needs you. Well, chauvinist or you got a six-month backlog full of scumbags in the system that need to be taken off the streets and you don't have time to just pick up and go because nobody else can do that job. You got to do that job. Maybe a little bit, but you know. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So then you finally go out there for the holidays. We'll go out to the coast. We'll have a couple of drinks, get a couple of laughs, and then see what happens. Yeah. And it all goes downhill from there. And it all goes downhill. And Argyle ain't the name of somebody socks. <laughs> That's just a guy. Look, man, does anybody listen to this podcast? I think a lot of people. Oh, yeah? I think so. Yeah. It's, so a, good, it's a good cast. I think so. It's a great cast, right? Yeah. Okay, That's the show, kids. Email us at <laughs> comiconspodcast.com if you <clears throat> would like the show to be a little bit longer. What's that? Oh, we got an email? Somebody said something? Oh, they want us to keep going. Oh, right. Okay, fantastic. It's amazing how people are listening and emailing in live like that. That's awesome. I never thought that would happen in a million years. I guess we should start the show. All right. It's showtime. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. Don't make me smack you, sweetheart. I'll do it. What are you? I'm Batman. Most non, non-hating 
Welcome to Comic-Cons, a geek podcast for the rest of us who are the rest of us. My name is Nick Stevens. I'm your host with me tonight in the garage or today, if you're listening on the Eastern Shore, Western Shore, abroad, Mr. Jimmy Golden Cadillac Johnson. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a while since we've had you in the garage, just you and me. Yeah. But with the cans on and not sharing a mic like we're running for office. Waiting for the next guy to call in and contend himself. Look, here's the point. It's great to see you. It's good to see you. I noticed, well, I didn't notice. You told me <laughs> that today is actually like the one-year anniversary of the first time you've been on the show. Yeah, I think... Um, From November 17th, which would have been Justice League or whatever. Yeah, Justice League is when it came out, so it would have been the 19th, so tomorrow will probably be the official. Tomorrow is the official. But, the official one year. Yeah. So you've been on this show off and on, coming on as a guest for, for a year now. Yeah. That's pretty fun. cool. That is cool. That's you know? exciting. So thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your day. And listeners at home listening, thanks for listening. I don't think I thank you guys enough. I always thank you at the end of the show. Let me thank you up front. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for streaming. Thanks for emailing. Thanks for your feedback on the Facebook. You know, what are we talking about today? Only the greatest Christmas movie ever. The greatest Christmas movie ever. Maybe even the greatest 80s action movie ever. Yeah. You know, 1988. Die hard. Don't worry about that heat. I'm just going to let it roll because the baby boy, he's asleep in and I'll have to fix it in post. Why is this such a good movie? Why is it so eternally good? And why does it still hold up after all these years? I think because of the fact that it's not just a mindless action film. Yeah. There's so much in it. So much. There's the humor. The there's humor. There's the bromance. There's the relationship between him and his wife that he's trying to sure, mend. Like, sure. There's just so many elements around it. It's not just... I can't even think of the word. Well, he's not your he's not your Schwarzenegger or Stallone. No. He's not your overinflated action hero taking out guys left and right with with his bare hands necessarily. I mean, he does a lot of off the wall crazy fucking shit in this movie, and we'll talk about that. But he's not he's not over he's not huge. No, he's, not he's, at he all. doesn't have muscles rippling. You know what I'm saying? Um, he looks on surf on the surface. John McClane just looks like your everyday guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just a cop from New York. Come to L.A., hang out with the wife, maybe patch some things up with her. They're kind of on the rocks because she pursued a job. He stayed back in New York. And there they are. Unbeknownst to him, some terrorists show up and bada bing, bada boom. You got yourselves a, a standoff, a movie, you know. And guess what, kids? They're not terrorists, but they sound like terrorists and they look like terrorists. I mean, not to be, you know. I mean, what does a terrorist look you know like? I'm, saying? I'm just yeah. saying they kind of look like terrorists. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, they had like, for, for the 80s, they had the... uh the 80s Euro trash, yeah, you know, hairdo with the Cosby sweaters. Now, I will say that, like, I think it's really cool, the introduction of um, Hans. Hans Gruber, yeah, very cool introduction. In the sense of he's actually riding with his men. He's not, like, yeah. separated. He's right. in the back of a truck with them. Not, you'd think he'd be in the front little sporty car, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he's actually with his guys just all decked out in his suit. Absolutely. A nice suit, too. Mm-hmm. And he notices other people's nice suits as well. Takahashi? Takashi? Yeah, something like that. Let's, right? let's, <laughs> let's, let's pull it. Come on, we can do better than that. This is a, it's a 21st <laughs> century. About how much we love the movie and we can't think of... Takagi. 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 <laughs> Joseph Yoshinobu Takagi. He notices his suit, like, right away. Yeah. At the Nakatomi Towers. Yeah, he's kind of a refined gentleman. He's, he's the kind of bad guy that saddles up next to you and he's, he looks presentable. 
He's handsome. He's well trimmed. He's well groomed. He just, he's not right out the right out of the gates. He's not a ah, la, 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 you know what I'm saying. He's not trying to like no. He's not crash any planes and, and even any when buildings. you hmm? learn his backstory a little bit from the FBI agents later on in the film. Yeah, that he's part of this like bigger organization group too. That like yeah he was involved in yeah, but they didn't like him either. So they but he's I mean, he plays this role brilliantly. And this is his big screen debut. Yeah, Alan Rickman. And by the way, kids, we're going to be kind of all over the place, but the cast in this is just great. I mean, we'll talk more about Bruce Willis in a second, but the supporting cast is just amazing. Like Bonnie Bedelia, you know, as Holly Gennaro McLean. She's gorgeous in an 80s kind of way. You know what I'm saying? She's got it going on. She's perfect as the wife. You got Reginald Val Johnson, Sergeant Al Powell. Fantastic, you know? I saw him in this before I ever saw Family Matters or anything like that, so I just knew him as Al. I always knew him as Al. Side note, is he just a cop? Yeah, and everything. It just seems to be that's always What the else case. do we see him in where he um, was a cop? I don't know, but Chuck, the show Chuck, yeah. had him as they're on there as Al Pal. Yeah. He visited the store manager and he's like, Hey, he's my he's my cousin from California. He's a police officer and you know, his name's Sergeant Al Pal. And I just thought it was cool that they had that little diehard connect moment by actually giving him the same name as being a police officer oh, still yeah. too. So um, but Chuck was all about kind of dropping all of those little fanboy hints throughout the show anyway. So That's a show I've been meaning to watch for some time. It's on the Hulu. I think it's on Netflix, too. And I like that guy, and he's going to be playing Shazam in April. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I need to watch that. But, I, think, uh, I think you'd like it, especially knowing Comic-Cons. Yeah. Is there so many little drops of hints of like... Little geek stuff, little fanboy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's all Pop over Pop culture place. trivia. Mm-hmm. Well, here's some trivia for you. Paul Gleason, who plays Deputy Police Chief Dwayne T. Robinson. You know, he's the he's the king of dicks in this movie, but he's also the king of dicks in everything he's been in. Yeah. You know, he's the guy from Breakfast Club. You know, he was in Trading Places. Ray you know, he's, he's just always an asshole. You know, but next to him is a guy that we may or may not have talked about on a previous podcast that got lost in the ether or in the time capsule. William Atherton, playing Richard Thornburg, the, uh, the news anchor. Yeah fantastic in this fantastic in that other movie we talked about on a distant planet one day you yeah. know where he's he played the asshole in ghostbusters and he's just known for playing assholes so you got two guys in this movie who are just known for playing assholes they show up they deliver we don't even need to talk about what's his name robert davy i think who played the other fbi agent and his buddy oh yeah agent yeah. johnson and johnson they're fantastic the supporting cast in this all over is just fantastic even the one guy in the beginning that tells him how he gets through planes, like about making the fist with his toes. Oh yeah, like just a little other, side commentary. He's been in other things. Like I've seen him more, but yeah, he was such a small role. Like, right, right. Just as the guy sitting next to him in the plane. I'm assuming that most people listening to this episode have seen Die Hard, so we're just going to kind of run around and have fun with it and talk about why we love it so much. I actually did a podcast episode on this on an old podcast on the old network when I had three podcasts at one time, <laughs> and it was just too much. On real to really with my man Leon and my man Ron, uh, but yeah, they, and I wasn't supposed to use your real names, but now it's like I feel like the statue of liberty. Boop! I feel like the statue of limitations has 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 elapsed, so we're okay. Yeah. Um, and we just rode hard on that, and like actually, the other guy had never seen it before. Well, I took my wife to see this with my parents because I was t- taking my dad out for his birthday, and it ended up being like a family affair. My wife went with us reluctantly; she didn't want to go, but we got a babysitter. And she came, and it was the first time she had seen this movie. 
Like really? she thought she'd seen it, but actually she'd seen Die Hard 2 with me like several Christmases back when I tried to make her watch it on cable or whatever. I think I might have had my copy, but... Um, I think that one's kind of underrated. I like that one. I love that one too. Don't even get me started. But she watched this with me and she loved every second of it. Like she, the, the, Because of the humor, again, the supporting cast. Everybody, you know what? This movie humanizes the action movie. Yeah, it does. You know what I mean? It, it brings a human element to every single character. Um, and it's the characters and it's the actors. Getting back to the most important actor here. Not maybe the most important, but the central actor, Bruce Willis. Have you or have you not always loved Bruce Willis? I can't say there's not a movie that I haven't loved that he's been in. Even some right? of his... Um, even like North. Just, well, I was going to say, they just did Once Upon a Time Venice. Like Even some of his new ones that oh, okay. like I haven't seen are straight-to-DVD yeah, films yeah, yeah. that he's you Bruce still enjoy him. It's yeah. just fun. Yeah. No, I enjoyed him even in the uh, the Expendables, and I liked him in that in that Red movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, didn't, I don't know if I saw Red 2 or not, but, uh, but I've always enjoyed him, and I kind of grew up on him. The first time I saw this movie, I was in a residence in hotel... Uh, staying there on our homely while we were visiting the states while we were on break from from living overseas and so you're you know hbo in the hotel you know right out of the bath in the pjs my mom's like oh it's die hard it's rated r but she didn't care she just let us watch it and and we i was enthralled i mean i was blown away i mean i thought he was just like i, I grew up on arnold you know and i spent this was probably out for a few years at this point when i saw this but just his natural coolness you know he was just so goddamn cool yeah. even when he's smoking cigarettes i'm like damn you make smoking look good again the moment he gets off the plane in the actual terminal there in the terminal baby <laughs> lighting up. up and then he sees that couple california like but i want to say the earliest memory of bruce willis is probably a sad one um uh -oh. but not really not really a bad sad one it's just i remember the movie death becomes her Oh. And never re remembered that it was Bruce Willis the whole time. I love he was that movie. So, I do too. And he was it's just a so good out movie. of it. Yeah. Um, I remember a few years ago, I actually made my wife sit down and watch Blind Date with me too. Yeah. Oh, Blind Date's great. And so it was just. So why is that sad that Death Becomes no, Her? Just because it wasn't Die Hard is like my action. Oh, that's not sad. Process, no, right? dude. No hate just here. Because of the fact that that. Um, and well, I he started off as a comedic actor. Yeah. Like he was doing comedies and, and, and sitcoms and um, he was doing that Moonlighting show with Sybil Shepherd and. So I mean that's not that that's not surprising that that was one of the first things you saw and that because that's that's where his chops come comes from you know but they threw him in this and he just had a natural a natural coolness a natural calmness to the role you know what I mean yeah. like you believe him you believe it when he's beating guys up even if you can see a stuntman from a mile away um, <laughs> you do. but you and know it's good and it and, and it works and even though it's over the top it somehow holds on the stakes are still high enough that you still worry you're still clung to your seat on the edge of your seat waiting for the next thing to happen you know what i mean yeah and i thought it was actually really cool because um as you were talking about you went with your family um and i went on a sunday because you know it was the what is it 30th anniversary yeah yeah, yeah. Um, release so we got to see it in theaters and just it was cool like the fight sequences the special like the sound mm -hmm. where you could just hear the yeah and, you know as they're hitting yeah. i was like that's so cool like you know because usually you just remember seeing it from tv but seeing actually the theaters like have those big those big moments on screen. Well, there's not a whole lot of CGI, and no. there's a lot of practical effects. Even the explosions are practical, most of them anyway. And yeah, man, and then I'm glad you mentioned that too, because I didn't mention that at the top of the show. Thirty years, and for some people listening, they're like, "Wait, Die Hard in theaters? What? What is this? Do we go back in time? Did we quantum leap back into the dun 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 dun
Um, yeah, the 30th anniversary, the re-release into theaters. Fantastic. I never saw it in theaters. Did you ever see it in theaters? I didn't see it in theaters. Okay. I want to say that Die Hard, I remember watching probably on TV more than anything yeah, yeah, when yeah. it came out. Um, I wasn't sure because they did do a big re-release back in, I think, 2012 when that Good Day to Die Hard piece of shit came out. And they did like a marathon. So they okay. had, they've had other other opportunities to see this in theaters, but this was like the big 30th. Yeah. Um, and then Die Hard 3, um, a mutual friend of ours. I saw that in theaters. Um, I didn't see it in theaters, but that's who I saw that with. Okay. Like for years later, I think it was years later, like when I was actually buying movies on my own, that I actually see Die Harder. Oh, okay. Okay. I saw Die Hard 2 also in a hotel room on HBO. So that's kind of my relationship there. I remember that big elaborate opening before the HBO movie would come on, you know? And it was like the camera would go through this like fake city, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, wait a minute. Is that, is that the Universal theme? It might be the Universal theme. It was something close to the Universal theme. Yeah, HBO now is the... Oh, here it is. <laughs> but it had this like twinkling, you know, like, it's very back to the future, like, you know, before it would start off. And the camera would take you through this fake city, all these like fake cabs, you know, and then it would come up to the stars and like the HBO letters return. And the camera would like be inside people's homes while they're like watching. It was a big elaborate thing that they would do before the movie. And you're like, whoa, as a kid, you're like sucked into it. Anyway, I digress back to you, sir. How about the dialogue in this movie? Dialogue's great. like, Isn't it? That's one thing in the diehard spectrum. Um, and I know no, we're, we're just kind of hitting on the other ones. I think that's where A Good Day to Die Hard failed. I think that's where the last two modernized ones failed. I think like the dialogue was... I didn't mind the other one, the fourth one with Timothy Olyphant as much. I don't know, man. Like when he like is messing with that parkour guy and he's like, stay still, you spider monkey. I'm like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like they were trying to hone in on the John McClane catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Natural. What makes this great is that this is much more natural. I mean, the whole origin of the yippee ki motherfucker. I mean, that came out so much more. It was just, it was in passing. You know what I mean? When he's mm-hmm. like, when when Hans is trying to get his information out of him and he's like, or he calls him John Wayne or something like that. He's like, you're trying to be a, a lonesome John Wayne in a, in a fading, declining culture of sad, depressing. You know, he was just basically shitting on American culture as, as the Germans do. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, he's like, I've always been partial to Roy Rogers. And he just drops that line before he goes out the door and it's just great. It just works. Not to mention you got lines, great lines from everybody. Like when the FBI guys are flying in the helicopter, this is one of my favorite scenes in any movie, no matter where you are. These guys, you don't know their relationship. Johnson and Johnson, black guy, white guy, no relation. Ha ha, we get it. They're in the helicopters and they're flying in and they've already agreed to like, hey, I figure we, you know, we hit the terrorists. I'm good with like, you know, a 20, 20% survival rate of the hostages. And one guy's like, yeah, I can live with that. You know, it's something yeah. like that. It's pretty bad. And then they're flying in closer and they got the, he's got the gun ready to take out the hostages. And he's like, ha ha ha, just like Saigon. And the other guy's like, I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> like, that's so great. You know, yeah. cause that shows you that everything from that scene gives you that relationship between the FBI agents. Like you don't even need anything else. You know that one guy's the younger guy and he kind of doesn't like the older guy, but he works with him. And they just and they just work with it, and they're kind of dirty, and they yeah. kind of deserve to die. Like they were willing to kill hostages, so when they do die and they go down to that burning inferno of doom, 
you're okay with it. Looks like we're gonna need some more FBI guys, dude. When that when <laughs> Deputy T, what's his name? I gotta look up his name again. Deputy Dwight Dwight Robinson. Dwayne Robinson. Dwayne, yeah. Deputy Dwayne Robinson. You know, I'm the asshole here. He's riding everybody's ass the entire time. He doesn't know who John McClane is. He doesn't care. He's trying to do things by the book, and he's sucking up to the FBI. And when they go down, and he says, we're going to need some more FBI guys. But that is such a, it's just such a cool original thing to hear in a movie like this. Because immediately, I mean, it's hilarious. And it's true. You're probably going to need some more FBI guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's just great that he point. would react that way. You know what I mean? Just, just throw some more FBI guys at it. <laughs> it's almost like I'm I'm envisioning like two guys, right? Like two kids playing with their action figures, and the two the two like toys that one kid's playing with get fucking destroyed or killed. And so the natural inclination is to be like, all right, we're gonna need some more guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna need some more guys because those guys are no more. You know what I mean? So it's got that great kind of perspective. I'm going through my notes here, so feel free to no, interject any time. I was getting. I was thinking about it. The one, the one note that I had made that did not make sense. So John gets there. Argyle drops him off. Yeah. He get, goes to Nakatomi, and he goes inside. And the security guards are like, "Yeah, type in the name." He types in the name. He's like, "Oh yeah, they're on the thirtieth floor because they're the only people left in the building." Then why do you have to type in the name? Like if. They're the only people left oh, in the building. Yeah, like, yeah. He's almost like, search search for the person so I know which floor they're on. But it's like, yeah, they're, they're, these well, the also, people, the people in the building. Did you notice like when he tells him like, yeah, get off on, uh, get off when you hear the noise. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, what? I'm, I'm going to get on an elevator and just hit the floor, like hit open. <laughs> like elevators don't work. Like, hit the express. Let's just say I use the express elevator, right? And it goes to one floor and one floor only. But I can open the door and any, like I was thinking in my brain just now like the the logistics of how that would work like you're gonna hear wait for the noise like what if you get off from the floor below the noise but you still hear the noise and then you got to take the stair i don't know yeah uh, probably ridiculous no, I you know, know series mean, of semantics but that, that was probably the 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 weakest dialogue was that security guard but i mean he was expendable for the yeah he was because, expendable um he's gonna die first those guys die and you and, and it kind of like already you know okay they got killed you don't really care because you don't really get to know them the only guys you kind of care about dying is Takagi, because you got to know him. He seemed like a sweet old guy. Yeah. And maybe some of those cops that that, that, that tried to do the raid. Like, I, I don't know if they actually got killed. I think they got shot in the knees. But yeah, I, know got, the, I know the guys in the tank probably got... Yeah, they got. You know. They probably got the people in the tank. Those are the only people, because Ellis, you didn't really care about. Let's because talk he, about Ellis. He's kind of a jerk. Ellis is a jerk. He's, uh, he's Holly's uh, co-worker. He's the guy that shows up with a Coke under his nose. And John McClane's like, you missed a spot, you know. And he's just this schmuck. He's just this yuppie, L.A., two-time in business tycoon wannabe Yeah, trying schmuck. to hit on Holly. Trying to hit on Holly. Got, even though he knows she's married. Exactly. You know, and he's just like, that guy's kind of talking like this all the time. You know what I mean? Chewing gum and fast talking and just one of those guys. You know, he's just so 80s. Side note. Also did the voice of Arthur Reeves in Batman Master of the Phantasm, which makes a lot of sense because he was also a schmuck. <laughs> um, and we and we saw the movies like within a few days from each other. We did. So it was, I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, he shows up and tries to negotiate with a terrorist and give away John McClane. And he's like, I, what is it? I negotiate million dollar. I negotiate over- million dollar deals over breakfast. Hans, Bubby. He had it coming, right? He he did. Like you don't feel bad. He he was my wife the was like, did he just, like, is he gonna die? And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Alan Rickman played that 
cold calculated like he could oh yeah less. cold motherfucker um especially when he's like talking he's like look i get it i see what you guys are doing you're not here to do a hostile takeover you mean business and i can get that and he's like you figured this out all by yourself amazing and it's so sarcastic and it's so facetious and like we as an audience like like oh this guy's gonna die this guy's gonna <laughs> die this guy's gonna die but he's so stupid and so he's just like yeah hey come on and he's coked out of his mind. Yeah, he's coked out. He's he's freaking out. You know? I mean, would you trust a guy like that if he came to your doorstep? Yeah. And like just to give <laughs> he's up... He's like a used car salesman. And to give up John's name. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? I know. And when he figures it out, it's just, oh, God. Yeah. But before he figures it out, let's talk about this. It's one of my favorite scenes. Because one of the first scenes I remember as a kid, teenager, whatever, watching a movie, an action movie where the villain, or I should say maybe just antagonist and the protagonist meet, they don't really know who each other are. You know, they, they've been talking via walkie-talkies this entire time while John's going through his crew and basically dismant- single-handedly dismantling uh, his, his team of would-be terrorists, you know, mm-hmm. one at a time. And, they, and they're talking, and they meet on the rooftop while Hans is looking for the detonators, and he does that American accent. And it's just such a great scene. You know what I mean? It like, is. Like, cause you're like, oh shit! Even my wife was like, oh my god, what are they? What is he gonna do? And my dad, he doesn't remember seeing this movie when, like, back in the day. So that for him, it was like the first time too. And I could hear him going, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. You know what I'm saying? Shoot Hans, shoot him. And uh, that's that quick scene, that quick um, conversation, and that dialogue back and forth. It's just so good, you know. It is. And side note, I don't know. Um, if it was before the film or after, they kind of did that that like Turner classic movie guy with his. Oh, the trivia! Yeah. yeah, it was Alan Rickman's idea. To yeah, do it that. was Alan Rickman's idea to do the American accent. Yeah, um, and to be a part of that, that's the reason why Hans is dressed in a suit compared right. to everybody else. And I thought that was a really cool add on to it. Yeah, because he kind of knows. You know, he's a cop. Yeah, he's well, been a cop for years. He kind of knows there's something off about the guy that like he's he's just now running into a quote unquote hostage. You know what I mean? But. So he asked him what his name is, and the whole like, oh, Bill, Clay, and he sees a name on the on the employee uh, name chart or whatever, but he doesn't give him a loaded gun. Yeah, well, the name on the name chart, this is the first time I realized, like, I understood that they showed it, like, yeah. to hi- do it, but first time I ever realized it says Floor 28, so oh. meaning he's not even part of the party, like... Floor 28 is not even, because it's floor 30. Oh, so it shows us that to kind of also show us like, hey, by the way, if you're a detective out there, you'll know that this isn't isn't a guy. Yeah, I've seen this movie a hundred times. Right, I never (laughs) noticed that before. I always just noticed the name like, oh, so he's just checking to make sure the name's authentic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But yeah. But yeah, it well, does, good looks it on Hans for lo- for looking up the entire inventory of the uh, of the names, the director directory of names over there because he knew the name, he pulled it out of his ass. I know he did. That was crazy. Bill. Clay. Oh, William Clay. Okay, good. I mean, if that was me, I would have been like, no Jimmy, bullets. Golden Cadillac Johnson Jr. Supplies. You know, I wouldn't have had much to go on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you hear something? Yeah, I heard. I don't know what it was. You heard a rustle? Yeah. It's the heat. Oh, okay. Yeah. You hear something at the door? No, I heard a rustle. That's what I said. Oh, okay. We got a Wolverine in here? <laughs> like... This is the last podcast you hear. The last podcast. No, I wouldn't let anything happen to you. I would jump on that Wolverine. I'd let him shred my innards out. Um, but yeah, that's, that the whole scene is like just a so cool thing. And then 
um, showing the smartness. Because there's probably people in the audience like, why he's so dumb? Why would he give him a gun? And then his line, no bullets. Oh, no bullets. (laughs) You think I'm stupid? You were saying, shoot the glass. How do you feel about Carl, his right-hand man? (laughs) He's such an emotional person. He's so emotional. But, I mean, he killed his brother. That's like the first terrorist that he... That's right. You know what's funny about that first terrorist? The first guy that John McClane kills by like rolling down the stairwell with him. My wife was like, I like that guy. He's my favorite. (laughs) This is the guy that showed up in sweatpants, was trying to like cut the power, wasn't doing it fast enough. Carl tried to come down there with a chainsaw to get him to do it fast. He still ended up doing it, cut the phone lines and everything. But other than that, he didn't really have any dialogue until he's getting ready to go up there and kill John McClane or anybody really at that point. He doesn't know it's a police officer. He just knows it's a dude. Um, and his accent, I think I like the most. It is. It's authentic. It's real. But, but Jen just loved his whole wardrobe, like the like the gray sweatsuit, jumpsuit, whatever the hell he's wearing. Like, was it a trench coat? Like, it was something? No, like it was something? like a regular, like, gray sweater and, like, sweatpants. Just, but I thought he had a coat over before, too. I don't know. I don't know. He had, like, and, and the shoes that were too small for John McClane. Yeah. And then the chorus that takes us to the, oh, 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 now I have a machine gun or yeah. something like that. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. I mean, it's a Christmas movie, you know? They're going there for a Christmas party. And then he wraps the guy up in Christmas lights and writes in a, with a Santa hat and says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. How is this not a Christmas movie? They even got Christmas songs playing in the, at the end credits. Even like through um, Argyle's driving the music and it's Run mm-hmm. DMC's um, Christmas That's right. That's Queens. right. Um, Isn't so Argyle great? He is. I, like, I feel so bad for him because you're just like, this poor guy, like. He's out there jamming while they're all like shooting in like the he's, cops lo- are he's locked in the garage, you know. Yeah. He doesn't even know it. Argyle driving that limo and Bruce Willis smoking a cigarette reminded me of me and James Powell. I turned to my wife, I leaned into my wife during the movie because she's the first time seeing this, you know. So part of the fun is seeing her reaction to every scene. And I was like, that's me and James pretty much. You know, my James, not our James, <laughs> you know. You know, James Powell, you know. So, James, if you're listening, you're Argyle and I'm Bruce Willis, even though he's bigger than me. Works out way more than I do. Although Bruce Willis doesn't, he's not in bad shape in this movie. He takes his shirt off and he's he's he's, he's cut. He's got some definition. Yeah, but he's not. But he ain't ripped. He's not like Arnold. No, not hell like no. Sylvester, not, like he ain't even like Van Damme. And he he kind of stays that way throughout yeah. the series. Even um, even in three, he's a little he's a little porky. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he's but he's still got it. He's he's got a little bit more husk to him. But you still believe it when he's beating the shit out of a dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because he's getting the shit kicked out of him too. You know, and he just gets like worse and worse. My wife was like, does he get like bloodier and bloodier and more beat up by the end of every, by the end of all these movies? And I was like, yes, that is the whole thing. That is the whole thing. He's just, you can't kill him, Yeah, but he looks like shit at the end of every movie. And for him, and he doesn't have shoes. always the wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. Yep. Like the only one that was... Like I said, I, I go back to a good day to die hard, die hard. I feel like that film, they tried to push all of those elements that made oh, yeah. the other ones better. Absolutely. Like said, is even for, it was it was believable that he was just in the wrong place picking up the kid, like, you know, for questioning and stuff yeah. like that. Whereas him going to see his son and all that stuff, and that that was just weird. I just feel like that was the part. Those were the those movies didn't work as well because that's when they tried to explore like his daughter and then his son and yeah. it's like nobody cares about that nobody's ever cared about that nobody wants to know about that the only thing people want to see is John McClane in a wrong place wrong time situation and how does he get out of it you know what and, I mean 
and some people hated it for like the superhero element that they gave John McClane. Yeah. Like when he gets out of the police car. Yeah. And it jumps into the helicopter. That kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. See, uh, yeah, no. He was more. Never of mind like the fact that he ex- on his feet kind of guy. Right, but never mind the fact that he escaped from a a, a jet plane on, a, on an ejection seat. You know, after they threw a bunch of grenades into it in Die Hard Two, or that he went sailing off a like a highway ramp on a fucking um, snow snow ski or whatever on a snow. Uh, what are this? What are the things? The snowmobile. Snowmobile, and that's why you have him on the podcast, kids. <laughs> oh, it was like a snow plow, a snow ski, a fucking. <laughs> Jet plane, you know what I'm saying? He does all kinds of crazy shit that no man should survive. You know what I mean? The the cable. That, that part's fine. That part's fine. I don't. I never get tired of that. But just the other characters introduced, like nobody cares. Yeah. You can have some supporting characters. Don't get me wrong. Al should show up at the very least on a phone call or something, like he did in Die Hard Two. I thought that was cool. And Samuel Jackson was great in Die Hard Three. I, I loved that that duo. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But that's it. That's that's where you stop it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't need his son. We don't need his daughter. I don't need to, need to be reminded that he's old. I already know he's old. Just beat him up some more and have him kill the bad guys. Or just don't make any more Die Hard movies. Yeah, I guess so, because he is old. And. But when you get I mean, to the he's place old. that he's. But when you get to the place of him being like, oh, I'm just too old for this, then, yeah. then we get into Lethal Weapon. And it, Die Hard is just a separate thing. You know what? I wouldn't mind if he said that. He could get away with it, I'd be okay <laughs> with it. And I'm going to pay money to see him in glass. I don't give a fuck. Oh, that's going to be know? great. It looks good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, listen, I got to talk favorite scenes. But okay. I love the jump scene on, on top of the building where he jumps off. That was the first thing that with, just With, came with the fire mind. hose yeah. and the explosion and the yada yada and the shrimp bisque. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All of that. I love all of that. Yeah, I think that that I right mean, it's an iconic scene, but. Is one of the scenes that popped in my, my head. Yeah. And I was thinking also the... Um, the elevator shaft scene. The elevator shaft like him, scene. Him trying to do it and like that intense moment of the strap coming loose from the loose, machine gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. so I like that scene too. That scene's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. I also really love, and I already mentioned this before, I also really, really love just, I love the whole, I love how this movie cuts back from the tension of him inside the building trying to escape the terrorists and trying to fight the terrorists while also showing us the scenes out on the street mm-hmm. with Al and you know deputy what's his name ronald p johnson whatever his name is dwayne robinson dwayne robinson yeah the the scenes with al and dwayne robinson and and the back and forth with them and then when the fbi agents show up but one of my that that scene with those agents when they get there he's like i'm in charge of the operation and robert davi robert davi great character actor no you're not not anymore. You know, just, it's fantastic. He lights up the cigarette. Everybody's so believable. They walk on to the screen and they're just those characters. They're not actors. They're just these wonderful characters. They're fully fleshed out and we don't even know their backstories. We just know who they are. We know that they're real. They're authentic. I love that whole scene by scene breakdown of all of that. Yeah, because even um, Bonnie and the pregnant girl where, you know, she starts to smile when like Carl's having his flip out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she starts smiling. She said, he's still alive. And she's like, how do you know? Only John can make somebody Only that Only John can make somebody <laughs> that crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a great scene. It's because he's just so hell-bent on killing John. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> because of killing his brother. Yeah. He loses focus of everything that they're doing. And then the 
the one guy, the computer guy. The computer guy. I liked yeah, him too. yeah, yeah. He's he, great. He was, he was fun. Yeah. Well, you didn't bring me along for my winning personality, charming personality. No, he just brought you in for the uh, the basketball jokes and the fact that you can hack into a three layer safe. And that that one guy, um, seven layer safe. It was like seven layers of something: titanium, adamantium. Yeah, and they had to kind of like do it, and then when you get they had a drill, layer, but uh, yeah. I didn't understand how any of that was working. I don't think it mattered. I think I you just think yeah. I think it's you just, just know that they're getting into something that's hard to get into. Those are those are the plot holes. But yeah. like he had everything set up because he knew that the FBI would shut off the power. Right, right, right. Help with the save. He so. had he had anticipated all the moves of the law enforcement in LA and the FBI because he knew that they were going to do the hostage negotiation. He knew they were going to try to go to the roof. That's why he had the detonators on there. I mean, his whole plan on paper. Was was flawless, you know what it I'm saying? Was. He just he, just, didn't, he didn't account her. he didn't account for John McClane. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now, the one Asian guy who's on the um oh I knew you I knew you're gonna like, bring him up. He's in everything. He's in, in everything. He's 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 he's, <laughs> he's your favorite henchman. You know, he's electrocuting Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon Two or Lethal Weapon Lethal Weapon One. Okay. Yeah, he's electrocuting him in the, in the thing when when Gary Busey's interrogating him and he's hung up and they're electrocuting him with the sponges and the water and he he's that guy, you know. I did not realize. Yeah. That. But yeah, like I just I remember seeing him in everything. He's a henchman and everything. He was a bad guy and everything. He was all kinds of stuff. He's a, he's famous for this for eating the Crunch Bar. Yeah. In the uh, or the whatever it is in the yeah in the concession <laughs> stand when he's exactly. waiting in the lobby. Um. Now, side note, John Leguizamo was a henchman in the Die Hard 2. Yes, he was. That's right. So that was that is right. And so is Robert Patrick. Have you seen this boy? Oh yeah. Yeah, T one thousand, baby. Awesome. Never forget a face. <laughs> Only what's his name? Deputy Rock You don't forget his face, you just forget his name. His name, yeah. Dwayne Robinson. Dwayne Robinson. I already forgot the actor's name. Nope. Paul Gleason. There, go. there he is. Left us at sixty seven. Too young in my opinion. He's up to 67. No, he died at 67. Oh, so I'm saying yeah. too young in my opinion. That seems young to me. That is. These young. days. Well, seeing as that my dad is that age, yeah, it's a little bit too young. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't mean to go there. <laughs> but, you know, Stan Lee passed at 95, so I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Stan. Sorry, I got a pubic hair in the back of my throat. See, when you have certain people on the show and you say something like that, people usually laugh because it's funny. When Jimmy Johnson comes on, he just goes silent, and he's just waiting. He's like, "I don't, I don't know what to say to that." I'm like, why is it your own, or is it another dude's? I mean, that's that's the bit right there. I mean, I, that's the I, joke. I don't know what you were. It's where would that come from, right? Right. Yeah. I, I mean, one might say my wife. I mean, we're at your house, so you, know what I'm you saying? could have. <laughs> but uh, you could have put the baby down and had a moment. Right, but you know, see, but everybody that knows me knows that I never go down on my wife on a Sunday night. You know what I'm saying? It's the day of rest. <laughs> Uh, let that one land there for a second if I can open my phone and get the rest of my notes um, first of all let me just apologize for ever making you uncomfortable during this podcast you know, uh, what's I that? Just, you never do I just I apologize to Jen who will listen to this <laughs> oh don't worry about that I'll take that whole thing up that you apologize to her by the way I will never let you ta- I will never let you to get the high road on me ever again don't you ever try to do that uh, let's rate this thing you know yeah. I mean, we didn't. We don't want to get nitty gritty with this, right? Everyone's seen this movie. We don't have to go scene by scene for a scene. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, you just we know what this movie's about. We've seen it. It's iconic, right? It's one. Of I those think th- it changed action movies for years to come. <laughs> 
Yeah, it. I think if this movie hadn't existed, new, new breed of style of film. Yes, I agree. Did this come out before Lethal Weapon. I don't know. Let's look that up because what I'm about to—I was about to say this—this this, that these those movies wouldn't have been around if it wasn't for this movie. But I think Lethal Weapon came thought, out before this movie. I thought Lethal Weapon was '84, but I could be wrong. It seemed like Everything Good was '84. Who wrote this wrong. script? No, Lethal Weapon was '87. So yeah, this is '88. Yeah, so it came out just a year before. Is it John Mackin, the director? Did he do it? John McTiernan directed this just a year after he, after he directed Arnold in The Predator. So that's pretty cool. Which Shane Black wrote that as well and was also in that movie. Um, Robert Roderick But Roderick Thorpe, Thorpe wrote the novel, novel, which is this isn't really that closely based on. And Jeb Stewart and Stephen D'Souza. D'Souza. Yeah, they they wrote Die Hard. Okay, I knew D'Souza was was a writer. But it has a Shane Black feel to it. Like he wrote this movie. 48 Hours. Okay. And Commando. Um, okay, so 48 Hours is a good buddy cop movie. But even 48 Hours is kind of dark. Like, Nick Nolte's a bad guy. Like, he, yeah. he's, he's a racist and he's kind of abusive. And Eddie Murphy's kind of the only thing that kind of really drives that movie, you know, in terms of... Ooh, and The Running Man. ...likeability. Oh, Steven D'Souza wrote uh, Running Man? Yeah, so that makes it, sense. It says he's got the screenplay, Commando. Okay. So like it's kind of it's got those one-liners. Yeah. So but see, of, I think again, it's the cast and the characters that make this movie stand out from those other movies. Because those other movies are great action movies. But you you blink and you're like, this is a movie, and it's 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 bullshit. It's not real. Even though obviously Die Hard isn't real, there are some sensibilities in this movie that are kind of real. One of the one of the sad things that when I was watching this. You know, when the terrorists were kind of taking over the building with the shooting and everything like that, I was like, in this climate today, it's kind of like it was kind of kind of crazy watching something like that again. Mm-hmm. Because in this climate, you know, now with people shooting out churches and and schools, and now I feel like when you go into a public place it's a little like that, to home kind you of have thing. to yeah, it's like you kind of, you kind of have to look over your shoulder a little bit more now than you used to, or at least be aware of your surrounding your situa- your situational awareness is peaked more than it was maybe. Yeah, I have a friend um, who he didn't major. He was he was going down one path to crim- criminal justice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he does it. So like everywhere he goes in, he knows where all the exits are. Like mm-hmm. the moment he walks in the room, just because. Just I'm the same way. It's engraved in. Like, I'm the same way, what's dude. The quickest way I can get out of here. I always try to sit with my back, you know, facing the wall. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I can see the exit, and see who's coming in. And I've always kind of been that way, but even more so now in this kind of climate. I don't know, which is kind of sad in a way, but also kind of just. Just is what it kind of is, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I found myself watching this. First of all, watching this in the theater was amazing. Seeing on the big screen was awesome. You and I both. Yeah, I, that. I think I think it was amazing. But seeing that as they kind of take over the building and they're shooting the guns in the air and stuff like that, and the, and the taking hostages, it was kind of like, oh damn, you know. And then they killed Takagi, and you're like, oh man, the stakes are high. Like they're really gonna, they're really gonna kill people, you know? Yeah, because for the most part, they. Like you said, they killed the one guy. Yeah. Um, you don't really have any kind of... There's no connection, really. Connection in that sense. Um, he's the security guard, so they can take over everything. Yeah. But the moment that Takagi's in there in that room, and Alan Rickman's counting down, and he's unscrewing the yeah. silencer and all of that stuff, very slow, and then shoots him. Yeah. You're just like... It seems sudden. The whole film... My wife was surprised. ...changed its aspect. Yeah. yeah. It was kind of... But when the but again when the FBI guys go you're like it's kind of it's kind of hilarious yeah I'm like whoa it was an awesome explosion oh John McClane survived you know I, when he comes around on that hose 
swings around after the explosion, you know, mm-hmm. and comes at on the other side of the building and hits the glass, and then has to kick off the glass and shoot the glass before you know crashing through it, landing, falling on the board, the weight of the hose and the hose wrapper thing around her thingy made out of metal falls yeah. down and is taking him with him, and he has to unhook himself from the hose. I mean, that is a suspenseful, taut, tight scene. You know what I mean? And I'm, that was supposed to be funny too. And and my dad is like, get out, get out of there, get out, come on. And he was on the edge of his seat, man. And that's awesome. Just seeing, like you said, we've grown up loving it. Yes, and you, you know, yes. Introducing your wife and then your dad again for the first time. Yeah, um, exactly. But seeing that excitement in somebody else's eyes to say like films that you love. Yeah. And it's did, like when you come over here to the garage and I get to see your excitement when you see me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm excited. And then we high five. And we sing a song together. And then we start the podcast. And then we start the podcast. But the trivia of knowing that there were four other people that they were considering, like Arnold, Sylvester, and Harrison. Oh my like, God, yeah. Normal, like, it wouldn't nobody, have worked. Nobody would have been able to pull it off like Bruce Willis could have pulled it off. Well, that leads me to my next point, and I know we're going to rate it. Let's rate it after this. Okay. I thought about doing a casting call for this because I thought it might be kind of fun. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself hard, hard on it. I was like, well, maybe I could do another re, like an 80s casting, like a reimagining of that. And I'm sure there's trivia out there that could point out exactly who specifically they were looking at. I know they looked at Arnold. He passed. And I just couldn't do it, man. Yeah. Like, I can't recast it now. And if you recast it now, it would be a totally different film. And I, and I say that because the only person who can kind of pull off action and that, that humor would be The Rock. Yeah. But But then it would be more of his genre of right. comedy, not what Bruce Willis could pull off. Also what when the rock walks into a room, like you know like they know that he's formidable. Whereas when Bruce Willis walks into the room, at least nineteen eighty eight Bruce Willis, like, yeah, he's a cop. But yeah. But but like he's not he doesn't walk into the room and go, Oh, he he's you know he's gonna choke out five guys <laughs> simultaneously while headbutting another guy. With his thigh. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just that much more believable and if it's not even if it's not um, if it's not a matter of plausibility or believability it's at least entertaining to see a guy who just looks more like an everyday guy an everyday man yeah because you can relate to that guy a little bit more as an audience member than say somebody like the rock or arnold who are great guys and i fucking love those guys especially arnold but they're just they're not your everyday exactly they're not your everyday guy you know what i'm saying sometimes Mm -hmm. about having a guy needing a guy and wanting to be a guy Mm -hmm. we're just having a bunch of guys all at once he dropped the mic. Um, that's how funny that was. <laughs> Still got it. Uh, let's rate this thing. All right. We have six beautiful ratings on this show, as you know, but just to let the folks at home know, we have multiple flavors of positivity because we like to stay positive. So all of our ratings are some form or in some fashion a form of positivity. Uh, we have Call It Our Work Good, Movie Theater Good, Home Video Good, Catch It On Cable Good, Sick with the flu good and solitary confinement good. Jimmy, it's in your hands now. Tell me what you think. I would say this would be a call out of work good. Like call it a work good. Like I mean, because we know that this thirtieth anniversary you could only catch two two show times. Yeah, so there's like, only two nights. If it falls into a place when you're at work, yeah. You'd be like, All right, I'm sick. I gotta today. take a day. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta take a day. Um, because it's just that good. I like it. I like it. I didn't go as high as that. I went movie theater good. But mm-hmm. I see why you did call it a work good. Yeah. Like I definitely, 
After like, seeing this on the big screen, dude. I it, would say it's movie theater good, but for that reason. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, you're not wrong by any by any stretch of the imagination. I just um I've always loved this movie. I did see Die Hard with the Vengeance Theaters, but I don't know. I seeing this one on the theater was just so cool. And yep. the, and the special effects that were in it, they still held up. The action sequences were great. Just the scale of it, the look of it, the tone of it, all of it absorbed on the big screen. Fantastic takeaway. I don't know. It's the same thing with me. I think it was because there's so much love for the film. Yes. That something that you couldn't see. Yes. Or like I was four, so right. I couldn't see it in 88, but I could see it now and just still really enjoy it and, and love I'll, it. Yeah, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll raise you on that point. I think I was a little worried watching this with my wife because not that I needed her to love it the way I loved it, but I really wanted her to like it because once I realized she hadn't seen it, you know, I and, and I feel, I feel like you know we have the same taste in a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it's okay to have different tastes, and we definitely have those separate tastes and different things as well. But I just really wanted her to like this the way I've loved this, and I've held this movie close to my heart for so many years. And to, to realize to have your hope and love in this movie validated with every scene, as the other characters are chewing the scenery, the action is over the top and great, the one-liners, the tone, the romance, the bromance, as you said earlier. Yeah. My wife was into it. And my love and my hope and my dreams, they were all validated. That's awesome. And I felt validated. I was like, you see? You see what it is? Yeah, nothing, It's amazing. Nothing's worse when you watch a movie that you absolutely yes. love with your spouse or somebody. And there's just something. Yeah. Or even when you and I get together and, yeah. and like, and we loved a movie growing up. Mm-hmm. Then we watch it again and we're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's not, it's not the same. Yeah, um, but this is. It still has everything in it. Yeah, it holds so much. And like I said, even in current time, this could be... They could remake, reshoot this film, same yeah. cast yeah. today. Yeah. Pulled out of the 80s, of course. Um, and it would still do well today yes. as a film. Yes. Yep. Because so, some, some films is just... It's the the era and the times, like when you look at... Sometimes it is. And this is definitely a reflection of a different era in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. But at the same time, I mean, other than the fact that no one's really on a cell phone... Yeah. You know, or glued to social media. I will say this, though. Regardless of what era you're in, there's no way in hell that, that John McClane and his wife are going to get into a limo after all that shit. Like, you're going to have to go to a trauma center. You got to get treated for some of those wounds. You got to get those, that, that, those feet stitched up because you have glass, severe yeah. lacerations on your feet. But at least your wife, even if you're okay because you're Captain Die Hard, at least your wife needs to go to some sort of counseling center yeah. for the stress and, and post-traumatic stress she's endured. But I think that's probably why their relationship didn't last in the other films. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because he kept, he kept putting her through that shit. I wouldn't no, I wouldn't say that. It's more of Well, he didn't do it. It wasn't his they're fault. They're drawn together because of we almost died. So right. there's this moment. And the second film She's on a plane. She's on a plane. Yeah. Um and third film, she's miles away. And thank God. The third film that they they've separated. He's moved back to New York. Right. And, and he finally that, so. calls her at the end of the movie. Yeah. And, and all fair and love and war. And the movie ends and they get back together and nobody made another die hard movie since. They didn't get back together. Yeah. They, didn't, they stayed separated. She said hello, and he didn't say hello. Hello, hello, he hello. The pills. Right, but then he calls her at the end after he says "Yippee to Jeremy Irons when he shoots the thing and it goes into the helicopter. That. I don't remember that yet. Yeah, because he's calling her during the, the during the credits. Okay. We don't hear anything. But yeah, you see it. 
It might have just been a boo doo doo, you know. Sorry, your call cannot be completed as dialed. You know, anyway. Any closing thoughts? No, I don't think so. I mean, we didn't we didn't go nitty gritty on this one. No, we didn't go scene for scene. I don't like doing scene for scene with that kind of shit. And I don't think you have to because you know because you end up going and then he gets to the thing and then he goes to the thing and they got a thing and they got another thing and everyone's talking about things. You know what I mean? And we can just we can do that all day on anything. But uh, I, th- I just I like to touch on the boring. highlights. Yeah, it's real boring. I think if you hit, like you said, those scenes yeah. that are really good. Yeah. I think that's what people are like, oh, I need to go back and watch that because maybe I didn't see it. Or, yeah. Um, and I, even me, I want to go back and see because it did say 28, but I think it did say floor You're damn line. right you do. I want to go back and, and see so it. And so just to see it, to say, okay, yeah, it, it did say that. So, yeah, yeah. And it makes me want to go back and watch the other ones too. That's a great. I'm glad you said that. It, it makes me want to watch the second and third one again. I'm okay with the other ones. I'm okay with never seeing the other ones again. Um, you know, there were parts of that fourth one that I that I thought were okay. Yeah. And I, I really like Tim, Timothy Allen fan. Me so too. Like Me him too. Him as the villain and all that stuff. So you but they bleeped out the motherfucker. They did. I'm sorry. Some things need to stay true. And one of them is vulgarity when vulgarities do. And you know yeah. how I feel That's about right. that. That's right. That one tried to bring a bigger audience by being PG-13. Yeah. It? And I just don't like Jack Courtney. I don't know why. I don't know the guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I just don't oh, yeah, like him in was, his movies. He was the son, right? I do, although I did like him as Boomerang in Suicide Squad. Mm. Captain Boomerang. Yeah. I don't think I've seen him in any, anything else. I can't remember. He was in that Terminator movie, Genesis. I didn't see that one. You never saw Terminator Genesis? Mm, I wanted to, but I didn't. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. It's not bad. It's not like, it's not like Rise of the Machines. But it's got some shit moments, and I think most of those shit moments are because of him. Yeah, I saw Salvation, but I don't remember much of it because I actually like Salvation, and a lot of pe- a lot of people don't like that one. I had to go back and check it because at that time um, is when like bootleg films were like really yeah the hype. running rampant, and you know I think a friend had given me a copy of it, yeah, 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 and yeah. so. When you're watching something grainy and you're kind of like you're not into it, you're trying to hear the sound. You want that, that high stuff. def, mm-hmm. yeah. Not even high def, but like just a standard. You want that edition. standard def. <laughs> you want at least that standard defy. Exactly. You don't want like people's heads popping the, up. The and guy who gets up and just walks <laughs> in front of the thing. And yeah. Like, oh. so. Or that that weird like Middle Eastern jargon at the bottom of the screen, and then you're worried oh, that yeah. you're funding terrorism. You know, real terrorism. Yeah, because you have no idea what it says. But then again, kids, don't worry, because if they're not wearing Cosby sweaters and they don't have Euro trash '80s hair, they're not terrorists. True story. <laughs> True story. All right. Well, look, I don't have anything else. You don't have anything else. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Again. Thanks for just coming back in the garage and hanging out. I like. I wish we could garage. have seen this together. I know. You know, but we couldn't make it happen. It's okay. We got to see Mask of the Phantasm together, which is another great movie that also holds up. Yes. It does. Almost thirty years old. Twenty-five. You know? Yeah. But anyway, uh, look, kids, whatever we said on the show. You know what? Scratch that. Rate and review us on iTunes. You know, go to iTunes on Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, and rate and review the show. And then go to Facebook.com slash Comic Cons Podcast and follow the show. You know, hit us up on with some feedback. Let us know what you want for us 
to talk about on the show. And let us know if there's any movies out there in particular, any shows, comics, anything that you want us to kind of, you know, break down for you. We can go back in time. We can go forward in time. We can stay right in the present. It doesn't matter. I'll meet you halfway in between the toe jam and the peanut butter. But I won't put that extra jelly where you think I will. Uh, And remember, at the end of the day, look, whatever we said, don't take it seriously, okay? Because it's just fiction. Be guy, I